Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 148. Today, we have our Saturday WordPress panel of experts discussing our processes for client web projects. I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves. Lee, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, I'm Lee. I'm from the WP Innovator podcast, which is a podcast for design and web agencies, and we talk all about WordPress. I highly recommend checking it out. Thank you. Sally. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Sally Getch. Uh, my uh, business is WP Fangirl. I work mostly with uh, small businesses and nonprofits, and I'm also the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. Very good, WP Fangirl. Jonathan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, folks, it's I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a maintenance service, and we support agencies as well. If you're looking for a trusted partner. Excellent. And I am John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design, and I specialize in helping blue-collar businesses with their WordPress sites, specifically with their local SEO or WooCommerce integrations. Before we get into our main topic today, we have a couple of WordPress news stories. And right at the forefront is the acquisition of Pressmatic by Flywheel, the hosting company. And they announced plans to offer uh, local hosting uh, for everyone. And they are going to integrate this into their hosting uh, product. So, Lee, what were your thoughts on this? Well, I, I'm just totally in love with the actual application itself. So I downloaded it a couple of days ago since it all happened because I've been looking at buying Pressmatic itself and was umming and ahhing, and then suddenly I can get it for free. So I was, like, freaking out, running around, telling my wife who didn't care, and um, installed it on the Mac 400 megabytes, thought it was quite a bit, but it runs like a dream, and you can fire up real quick WordPress uh, websites and multi-site sites. You can set default usernames and passwords, and I've just been playing around with tons of plugins that I normally have to set up on a, on a remote server somewhere. So I don't even know what all their other plans are. I'm just like totally in love with this piece of software for development and also for going, oh, there's a new shiny plugin object thing. Yeah, I need to play with. I'm going to play with this, and I can do it locally very quickly. That's cool. Oh, no, it's definitely. Um, Sally, what What are your quick thoughts on this? I think it makes uh, really good sense for Flywheel to acquire something like this because they've really aimed themselves at, um, you know, designers and developers with the way they structure their their plans so that, you know, you don't have to pay to, to put your site up there until, you know, it's ready to hand over to the client and then the client pays for it and, and that's all nicely arranged. And so this makes a lot of, this makes a lot of sense, and uh, you know, unfortunately, I, as a Windows user, I can't try it out until they make a Windows version. Um, but I am definitely planning to keep an eye on it and uh, check it out when it arrives. No, definitely, and I, I'm also a Flywheel user and a Windows user. And uh, from what I understand, you know, like a Windows application is on the roadmap. Uh, Jonathan, what were your thoughts on this acquisition? Um. <clears throat> Well, I thought it was interesting in two areas. I actually have been trying it out because I was actually a bit like Lee. I was using a remote server. And uh, I was using MAMP, and then I kind of gave up and just used the remote server. But I've been trying it out, and I've been really, like Lee said, I've been really impressed with it. And um, and it's sweet that it's free. But then the other reason why I chose the story, John, was that um, there seems to be a trend of this, doesn't it? Buying kind of secondary services they like go daddy bought um managed wp didn't they and there's been another one hasn't there recently bought um 
So there's a, there seems to be a little bit. Well, Liquid Web bought Chris Lemmer. Have they? Yes, they did. Uh, yes, they, they acquired he's, Chris he's Lemmer. Yeah. I didn't know that. Sorry, uh, I'm out there. Yep. What? What? He, he's, he's now in slavery, or uh, <laughs> that's, that's what this sounds. I didn't know. Yes. I didn't know that was allowed. Well, under a Trump regime, it probably will be. We'll probably get slavery, black. But uh, um, but no uh, um, but, but uh, they've actually bought him as a slave, or just just. I, no, I think I, I think they only hired him. But oh, right. uh, oh, okay. It, it, okay. It, it still is an acquisition of sorts. Oh well. <laughs> Oh well, that's me finished. Uh, um, um, so, uh, God. Um, so, but also, <laughs> they're uh, great news. Uh, um, so, yeah, they just seem to be a little bit of a trend with um, companies, hosting companies, and larger companies buying kind of secondary services. It seems the way of being added extra value, and it's not it's not that particularly unusual. A company using that app to drive traffic or get them exposure but it just seemed a little bit of a trend i don't know if you agree john well uh, you you can go back to like automatic like acquiring like woocommerce and i think the other company that you're thinking of that got acquired was drip Mm. they got acquired by lead pages when it make when it makes sense I, I think like acquisitions, like if, you know, you build a company, you're either looking for an exit or you're looking to like run it forever. You know, that's pretty much it. One thing that I think is like um, that we haven't touched on with this story as well. And we're Ashley about this is uh, the, the guy who's behind Pressmatic is also the guy who's behind Headway Themes. And recently they were in the news for allegedly not paying their help. Um, you know, do, do you think that he's going to go back and make things right? And if he doesn't, I would, that effect. I would hope so. So, yeah. so I, I wasn't aware of that. So, um, I gotta be honest. Um, so I, I can't comment on it, but you would hope so. If he's made a packet out of uh, selling Pressmatic, you would definitely hope he goes and, and makes things right. Yeah. If he got into trouble and has had to then sell Pressmatic, the right thing to do, if he's going to have any credibility left in the industry is to go sort that out and apologize if that's true. Um, definitely. Yeah. Sally thoughts, you know, I don't know the guy, so I have no idea what he's likely to do, but I uh, agree with Lee that, you know, that would be the right thing to do for him to, you know, pay any, any money that he uh, owes people because, um, you know, unless uh, any other developers were were hired directly uh, by Flywheel and and not by him, he, he might have a little trouble hiring people in the future, you know, whatever the legality of the situation might be, um, you know, people don't want to work for someone who doesn't pay. I thought it was quite interesting because um, last night I was listening to the um, WordPress Weekly, and the, the, they just recently had um, Dusty Davison, CEO mm-hmm. of Flywheel, for interview, and he said he actually admitted that um, some of their support staff they had poached. From, from the um, them and um, headways, yeah, yeah, headways. They got you know. I thought that was interesting. Then they end up buying this other company. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting how it all kind of plays out, really, isn't it? Well, well, definitely. I think it, from what we've heard as well, there's a lot of people in the WordPress ecosystem that benefited from um, you know picking up some of the support people from Headway Themes. 
Um, I don't even so know. Definitely is the headway theme still going, or did it? Well, the, the tavern article suggested that uh, you know the guy was going to you know keep working on it in his spare time. I'm not sure that he's going to have very much spare time, and and I'm no. not sure well, how well, any headway well. users might feel about that. Well, you'll have to ping Adam Silver and and find out his. Well, opinion. that's kind of true. Most of the time, in like an acquisition, like you're you basically have to go work for that company that acquires you for a set amount of time. So I don't think he's going to have a lot of spare time. Well, which they might um, have, yeah. But on the other hand, John, you know, will fly will up want you know to be linked to somebody that's linked to another company that really peeved off a very large WordPress user base without actually trying to do something about it. It's really quite interesting, really, isn't it, John? I think they really just wanted the product, and I think that the fallout, I don't think it'll really be on them. I think the onus is on uh, the, the Headways guy to, to, to pay the people that he still owes money to. I, I think the onus is really not on him. It's not really on Flywheel. They're just acquiring a product. Yeah, it feels like there's a business opportunity here for like Headway users uh, to support them in their transition over to Beaver Builder. I'm <laughs> well, trying to I, think of what domain I could use for this. Uh, yeah. Well, honestly, yeah. There's going to be people well, you who got, are just you, you just hired a name. You just hired a name in the specialist. Can you get them or her at it? Then? I'll give them a call. Yeah, right. <laughs> No, that, and that's a great point, Lee. There's thousands of Headway Themes users that are going to be displaced because this, you know, they're obviously not going to have a lot of time to work on it. So they're going to end up going to another product. So there is a great opportunity for um, some of the uh, drag and drop and page builder plugins and themes yeah. to, to pick up some of their customers. Uh, let's move on to the second story, uh, WordPress. And 4.7, WordPress point. 4.7 is, is coming pretty soon here. And some of the new features that are here uh, among them, uh, you're going to have a video header uh, available, which is interesting. A lot of sites you see out there like make use of video in that big hero image. Uh, that's kind of become a, a pattern. That's what it's become. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, definitely <laughs> you're going to have uh, users will have language control a little bit more. They'll be able to change your language preference, oui. but, uh, yeah, that, that'll be interesting, oui, oui. but we, oui, oui. uh, see, I mean, we, oui. uh, you, <laughs> sorry, you're going to have thumbnail previews, of PDFs, which will be nice. Um, you know, that's probably something that, that, uh, would be cool to have. Uh, and a very interesting one, the custom CSS live previews, yeah. you can change the look and feel uh, and look at a live preview. I'm assuming this is going to be in the customizer, uh, continuing to move everything to the customizer. Uh, Lee, what are your thoughts on some of the, the new things? What, which of these, you know, what, are, what features are you looking forward to most in 4.7? Cool. Okay. Well, I mean, I've got to admit, so far I'm a little underwhelmed by 4.7, especially because things in the 2017 theme I'm never really interested in, simply because I never use any of the default themes. I'm usually either building something or I'm working with something else. Yeah. What I do like the idea is obviously the CSS editor being inside of the customizer, although I've tended to build something like that in myself every time. And again, I don't know if that's going to be built in with the theme. The things that do excite me, though, uh, obviously language control is a big thing because I've got a lot of international users. Um, they can actually then log in and see their own language. PDF preview, I think, is pretty damn clever. 
uh, I like the idea of that because otherwise they look ugly and boring. And if you've got tons and tons of that PDF icon and lots of titles, it's actually quite hard to figure out what's what. And um, I'm working with a lot of design agencies with big PDFs, and the front cover is usually some glorious image or or some special design. So it's going to it literally like pop out at you from the the media browser. Two last features that I do like though seem stupid, but you know the kitchen sink icon and the paragraph drop down and headings and all that was all hidden under there. They're moving it mm-hmm. to the top. That actually excites me. I know it's ridiculous, but I'm just so annoyed with having to click the kitchen sink every time I log someone in. I actually had to grab a, a snippet of code just to always keep it open so people could see that. And then the other cool thing is this bulk actions. Um, so you can actually now integrate um, with the bulk actions and create your own. So you could say select multiple records and then create your own function that you would either say do an export or send an email to someone or do something uh, using bulk actions. So I think that's really cool as well. So I'm quite excited. I always expect to be loads and loads of stuff but that's just because i'm i'm a shiny new object guy um and and obviously i have to be reasonable there's tons of other under the hood stuff that people don't see like the rest api etc that's going on that's getting more and more powerful etc so it's dead exciting but i was kind of hoping for some amazing blow my mind something and i don't know what that was <laughs> no and i agree there's they're still working on the rest api and getting it fully integrated um, and so they have to hit that release cycle. I, I'm glad that you mentioned the bulk editor tools. I think that's going to be really powerful for a lot of people. Sally, are there any features that you're looking forward to in 4.7? Um, I, you know, I'm curious about the PDF uh, thumbnails because uh, there's a client site where I'm right now where I'm actually using a plugin to generate thumbnail images of, of PDFs. And I'm wondering, okay, so how is that going to transition over? But I think that's something that it's, you know, it's high time. Uh, that we had something uh, like that. That's going to that's going to be nice um, for any site that's uh, that's using uh, PDF files. Um, and I was noticing, you know, there's there's some tidying up of of uh, some of the functions for consistency and and some of that, uh, which you know, we'll we'll kind of see how it happens. Um, I, I uh, yeah the 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 the, uh, the kitchen sink is 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 a small thing but a nice one I I do usually have <laughs> tend to tend to have that open and it, you know it's like you know we don't get like super exciting oh my god look at all these features uh, versions of of WordPress anymore because they've switched to this very rapid. Uh, development cycle. I mean, you know, back when I remember when WordPress 3.0 came out and it was a huge, oh, you, know, you had the menu, you had the custom post types and you had, the, but it had been a long time since the, you know, since 2.9. It, it, and uh, if you're pushing things out in, in such a, uh, a rapid sequence, you're mostly going to see very small uh, incremental changes and, and stuff isn't going to be too, uh, too dramatic and and you had i mean you know we used to have like a, a, a meetup about each new version of, of of wordpress to you know show off the features and things and there's just kind of not been a, a point in that there isn't a, there isn't enough to fill a whole meetup with uh in, in any new version of wordpress um but we still have gotten a lot of Im- important things over time like you know responsive images and mm. uh yep 4.4 yeah Yep. So, uh, you know, term meta. Uh, so there, the stuff is coming out, but it's it's coming out, you know, in, in less of it at a time. So you don't get the uh, the really sort of groundbreaking uh, effect with the uh, with the new releases. So, well, definitely, and and I, I like what you said. Like it is a rapid development cycle. Um, the train is going, and it won't slow down. Um, 
but you know they're doing things under the hood you're not going to get like it, like custom post types was like a really groundbreaking thing and uh, i think responsive images I, I you know was a really big thing too um but i think once the rest api is fully integrated i think that will be big jonathan anything that you're looking forward to in 4.7 well, there was one little thing I read that they also linked to the library. So when you rename something, when you try to use the search, you can find it. Seemingly, they've sorted that out. So when you rename a file, you can utilize the search and find the thing. That's quite useful. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, definitely. That was a bit of a problem, would it? Uh, um, but, uh, you know, uh, but also, like I, I think we've said a couple of times on other shows, you know, the actual media library needs a lot more, a bit of love and um, attention, doesn't it? It's a bit clunky. It needs a hug. needs a <laughs> hug, doesn't it? It's a, bit, a big hug. A big <laughs> hug. It's a bit, it is pretty, um, you know, especially if you've got a lot of images, you can't put them in categories. I think there's some plugins that, help you with it aren't they there, um... there are plugins that will do things like like that yes but uh it it would be nice to see a you know a, a better media library arrangement in core and something that was oh i forget where i was seeing it discussed but about you know the fact that every time you upload an image wordpress generates all of your thumbnail sizes whether or not they're relevant and for things like um you know i have co-authors plus in, installed on a, a, a client site you don't need those little like you know different avatar sized thumbnails for anything except pictures of authors you don't need to generate them for every single image that you upload you don't need you know certain uh an image that you upload as a header you might not need any other image sizes for or or only a only a couple of them and not you know your special so it'd be really nice to see something where you could selectively uh decide which thumbnail sizes got generated for for which images because there's just a ton of clutter that you have now in in your uh, uploads folder because of this and that's the, an excellent um, point sorry. go ahead Dave. Uh, one of the things that uh, I tend to do nowadays with clients, because uh, the media pl area does need a, a good hug, uh, what I'll tend to do is usually add an extra taxonomy in there and then put in a filter so that people could actually relate images to one or multiple different terms within the taxonomy so they can then use the filter in the list view to be able to filter down to groups of images. So it's not ideal and it doesn't replace the the ease of folders, for example, but it certainly does allow people uh, to, you know, to crunch stuff down quickly. There is a plugin. I'll find the URL in a second that some of my clients have because they insist on folders. And I got to admit, it, it's, I think it's by a company who, like Joom Unlimited or something like that. They used to do um, Joomla, and then they've also do WordPress plugins as well. But it, it's quite a heavy, slow, clunky um, uh, plugin as well. So I, I personally wouldn't recommend it. The, the clients who want folders love it, but I definitely find it's a, a bit of a resource hog. Jonathan, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I was just, I just agree with Lee. Really, I agree, agree with Lee. Yeah, it just, I just feel it needs a lot more attention. The media, it's one of those blaring things, isn't it? Well, I, I like what everybody said. You know, it would be good to be able to sort by categories. Lee's solution is very clever. Uh, you know, being able to hook them up to taxonomies to where they can filter down. Because when you when you start getting into a very large site where you're publishing like multiple times per day, it's impossible to like filter down 
um, and find a specific image without some sort of help. Um, so definitely. And in 4.7, I am looking forward to the PDF view. There's at least one client site that I did this year that I'm going to have to like probably uh, readjust due to that. But it'll be a good thing. It'll be a good thing. Uh, last news story, um, not really a news story, just like an announcement. Like the WordPress US is is this weekend. Um, obviously, we're not in attendance. Boo. Boo. Sad, sad. But we're, we're but, enjoying a party anyway. We're all right. Red stag. Yep. For real, Woo. for real. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that like as we, um, what, red, you know, red, have a chance. Red stag. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's it's. We will get off this call in time to watch the live stream of uh, oh, very Matt Mullenweg's State of the Word. So, uh, you know, there there will be that much that that uh, we can catch, and I'm I'm sure there will be a, a ton of news reporting about it. Yeah, I, oh, thought, yeah. I, thought them, I thought them offering the um, video for free this year was a great move. You know, yeah. you had to pay for it last year. I understand, and uh, I signed up. It actually tricked me, the interface, because, you know, I had to look twice on my screen to see a very faint where you put your email address in. I thought that was quite interesting. But it might be more. I, w- yeah, go on. I will point something out that, that the Philadelphia uh, WordCamp US team did this year, which I thought was really great, is they had a mix of speakers that were experienced and also people who are not as well known. They got a lot of people who have a lot of valuable information uh, up on stage that maybe people weren't as familiar with as, you know, the same, you know, 20, 25 people that we're used to seeing. I thought that was a great move. I, I thought that was really good. So yeah, you want to mix your, don't you? You want to jumble it up a bit, don't you? Yeah. yeah and, and I mean, you know, I think that's a, that's a good practice for word camps in general. And I, I've noticed that the Sacramento word camp and the LA word camp do that. And yeah, I think there has been kind of a tendency with, with WordCamp US and WordCamp SF before it to have kind of, you know, all the sort of big stars, you know, we'll go, we'll round up all the people, you know, who came up as, you know, the favorite talk at, at whatever WordCamp elsewhere. Um, and I think it's, it's nice that they're providing an opportunity for some, some people that, you know, uh, they're really good. People are going to get value out of out of what they're saying, but they're not well known yet. Well, it's, and also it's just like- th- these people have great things to say, don't they? As well, stuff that because a lot of people have heard the same old, same old from everyone, haven't they? Uh, so when you've got someone else new, they've got totally new uh, opinions to bring and experiences. Sorry, Karen. Oh, go go go! I'm sorry, um, but yeah, it's just it's like TV or movies or music or. You know, any form of entertainment, you got to keep making new stars. You can't like just, you know, you, you got to have new people to carry the torch. And to do that, you got to give them an opportunity. So uh, great job by the organizing team in Philadelphia this year. Uh, looking forward to Nashville next year. Um, with that, I think we'll go to our break and then we'll come back with our main topic, which is our processes for client web projects. See you after the break. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno-Tahoe area? I know the best CRS real estate broker, and that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021. We're coming back from our break, and we're talking with our panel. We've got Lee Jackson, Sally Getch, Jonathan Denwood, and myself, and we're talking our processes for client web projects. And uh, I think that probably the easiest way to, to look at it is break it down like into stages. You know, um, 
how do you get the, you know, how do you get people signed up as clients, you know, as one stage, how do you onboard them? And, you know, how do you get the project like rolling uh, as another stage? And then, you know, how do you handle uh, the whole creation process, like content design development? Uh, And then kind of at the end, how do you handle like uh, QA testing launch? And then at last stage, what do you do like after the launch? Uh, you know, how do you, what are your processes for, you know, keeping in touch with clients and making sure that you're measuring their success. So I'll just go around the room, you know, how do you know, what is your process for, you know, getting people signed up as clients? How do you get them signed on the line that's dotted? Lee. To sign on the line that's dotted, I usually give them this long story about how I've got to feed the family and kids. Um, <laughs> that's, no, I'm joking. I'll tend to... Uh, so we'll usually have gone through some sort of initial conversation. I've understood their needs, et cetera. And I actually use a great template by Troy Dean. Um, and it, it, he kind of did a customized version of the contract killer as well. Um, so I'll do my own proposal. I'll do the a customized kind of Troy Dean slash contract killer-esque um, uh, contract that would go along with that proposal along with a signage area so it basically i were saying we understand that these are your needs this is the user story etc this the sort of things that you need you know you want us to produce which kind of covers us from any scope creep etc and then within the contract it talks about things like you know uh, see above what you're going to get if you change your mind that's great but these are the rates for changing your mind etc we'll give you a quote yada 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 and all that sort of stuff and to actually get them to sign i used to actually print stuff off and send it over and wait for them to sign it back and they had it in the mail and all that rubbish so we now just do everything online i actually use in the uk a company called signable uh, signable.co.uk and um, but there are hundreds of online uh, signing uh, companies out there there's even a wordpress plugin for it that keeps coming up in my facebook feed i'm probably going to end up buying it um so uh, that, that's essentially a very simplified version of, of what we tend to do. I like to get a contract in place. Once they've signed that contract, I'm sending the deposit invoice. Sweet. Do you do a discovery like before you send them the main uh, proposal and contract? Indeed. Sometimes um, we'll either do um, the kind of a free discovery because it's not going to be too complicated a website um, or alternative. We'll actually send them a process which talks about the discovery process as actually the initial phase. Phase one is the paid discovery process where they've come to us with a very complex build that they need. And realistically, I can't even do that to give them a budget. And I would warn anyone against saying any number, no matter how big you think can think of a number, I guarantee you they've probably got more features than will fit in the biggest number that you can think of. So I tend to actually put a proposal over, which is simply a discovery process proposal, where at the end of it, they're going to get documentation, audio, recordings, whatever it is that is going to describe exactly what their needs are and give them a menu of what they can have. And then they can even decide to go off elsewhere if they don't want to use me for the actual build. Obviously, I want them to because I'm going to have the most knowledge of it. But, uh, you know, I'll tend to do that for the super big stuff. No. Excellent. Sally, do you, you know, how do you get people to, uh, you know, sign into doing the project? What, it's your- not too different. Not too different from uh, from Lee. You know, these days I get most of my clients by uh, referral. Um, so, uh, you know, af- after many years of putting myself out there, people now just sort of contact me um, uh, about work on a pretty regular basis. And, and I tend to be worried more about, you know, can I keep up with it all 
rather than where is it coming from. Um, but as you know, as as Lee said, there's generally. Um, a, you know, a discovery process. And as I'm starting to do a larger number of complex builds, you know, that is important. And, uh, you know, the, the paid discovery not only gives me the information I need to come up with a good proposal and to know, uh, you know, uh, how much to charge, um, but it also gives me a feel for the client because there are going to be times when, uh, you know, I actually realize I'm. I would prefer that they go somewhere else with the information that I right. give them. I mean, you know, most of my client relationships are are positive, and you know, I like the people. I like doing the. I like working for them, et, et cetera. But you know, sometimes there are just areas of friction, or there are people where, yeah, this. You know, it's like I can tell this person is going to change their mind every two minutes, and you know, even if I make it very clear that you know it will cost extra to to do whatever they want to do it, it's just like the project is never going to get done uh so uh you know you get a you get a lot of ins more insight about uh, working with somebody and then yeah i do have a, a sort of standard uh, format of a, a proposal slash uh, contract and uh, i expect you know not only the signature but the uh, you know but the down payment uh before starting very good. Get that money. Uh, Jonathan, what's your process look like when you're signing up clients? I love that, John. Give the money. <laughs> <laughs> Show me the money. Show me the money. Yeah, I remember a talk once called F You Pay Me. I love that talk. It's great. <laughs> Mike Montero, man. He's the man. Anyway, that give us a whiskey, Lee, can you? <laughs> God, give us a little. Oh, thank you, Lee. Oh, uh, um, well, I think it really depends, doesn't it? Because oh, obviously, you've got a kind of membership service site, so they pay monthly, which is nice. And then um, the smaller projects, you know, normally um, they pay all up front, basically. I, anything below a couple of grand, I, I ask the money up front. Um, you know, and it's a small proposal one page and then a contract i still get them to sign a contract and i send it to them by pdf and they send the last page back signed um and then anything bigger obviously then you get into paid discovery don't you you normally have a discussion about paid discovery and if they bulk at that that's that's the first red flag and then Mm -hmm. um it's you learn, like what Sally said, you learn the hard way. I don't mind them being a tough business type, you know, that wants to negotiate price. That's fair enough. The ones you want to avoid are the ones like Sally, you know, these people that can never make their mind up about nothing. And because that's a death march, isn't it? That's a constant struggle. It's like herding cats, isn't it? You know, um, yeah. it ain't going to go very well. Um, so those ones... And, and and but the, you know, I think I think that was a disguised dig, by the way. Pardon, the herding cats. 
But of course, I don't know if Lee, it's very, very rare. Don't get me wrong. It's more, it's more the kind of defocused ones that have a endlessly changing their mind. They're influenced. They have a conversation with every dick, every individual around them. And yep, you got it right. They're constantly, but there are the odd ones that. Um, are just mucking you around basically they you know i i've only had that twice when it became obvious that they were trying it on and that's why you need a contract and that's why you need all the things that lee talks about because and i'm i think for 95 percent of situations you probably don't need as much as you think but the reason why you do need it is for that very small minority where you're dealing with very unscrupulous and a very difficult client who um for various reasons it's a very from you you didn't see the warning signs that on reflection they're always there but you um um but for whatever reason lack of experience you needed the money whatever the reason you didn't want to see those warning signs and you're dealing with a uh, um i've only had two circumstances where it was like that but that's why you need proper contracts and all the rest that lee talked about one no, thing and- about different clients by the way so, i'm so sorry john um no, john. everything that was just being talked about about clients there's a new um a podcast come out called wp builds there are a couple of friends of mine in the uk nathan and dave and they spend um kind of 45 minutes talking about 13 i don't know why they picked that number different types of clients wow. that definitely raise warnings including the ones that ask for a clone of facebook <laughs> um so uh that might be worth especially for john because you, you looked like you needed a hug there um just um you know to listen to and recognize a few of the clients that you may have a few warning signs about ah uh, yes no, the, the, the the ones you want you know build me amazon.com for five hundred dollars yeah definitely uh, and i i just want to thank you too like for last week too like um you yeah, know helping I out just want to say, i just want to say yeah. something on top of that john i think the other fact yeah. is and I think Lee's mentioned this last week. Actually, you got to really understand um, why they why they want something. Because um, um, on reflection, a couple of times where it's got a bit hairy, and why you need a contract, folks, is the, there's one time I really didn't fundamentally understand why the project, the reasons I thought the project was being done, were not the real reasons why the project was um, being done and paid for. And because I didn't understand the reasons from day, the real reasons, we got into a bit of a um, a situation. So you've got to really um, understand as best you can, which is part of discovery. There's a different part of discovery than just the technical specifications. It's really getting your mind around why they really want 
doing this project because that will really control the drivers of the project, if you understand what I mean. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. De- definitely. I mean, I remember a, a situation where I, I was called in to rescue somebody's site, basically, that, that uh, there had been a, a screw up with paying for their hosting and everything was gone. And, and we had a like old copy of the database and an old copy of the files. And, and we had to like install an old version of WordPress on a local server and, and pull everything in. And, and it was it was a big production. And, you know, but I, I later talked to the guy who had brought me on to the, the project and he said, you know, that there had been a bunch of politics within this company, which was a, it was like mostly family and him. And uh, that, you know, because several of the members of the company were arguing with this guy that, that and he was the one who brought me in, they were basically never going to hire me to, you know, take it the, the next step and you know, redo the, redo the website. And yeah, those are the things that, that you may never know that they may go out of their way not to tell you, but that are really going to affect, Yep. you know, what happens and how I, it happens. I'm glad you brought that up, Sally. There's, I've had a couple situations like that before. And I can tell you this, if it's a family business and one of the decision-making family members is against the web project, chances are it's not going to, you know, come out as good as it could chances are very strong. So that's definitely something to look out for. Um, And I appreciate what Jonathan said too, about you have to understand the real reasons why a project is being done in the first place, why they're choosing to spend money. It's usually they want something to happen, but you need to understand what it is they want to have happen. So a little bit of, of of how I've changed up um, my own process for, for signing clients this year is I started doing like just paid discovery, no matter how big or small the project is. If I think the project is going to be pretty small, pretty simple, I won't charge them a ton. If I think it's going to be bigger and complex, or if I think that it's going to be a higher value in the end, I'll charge them a little bit more, but I always charge um, for a paid discovery. And the reason I do that is because there's so many people that will call you up and they don't know any better. I'm not blaming them. But they'll call you up. They'll call you and about five other people up. And they'll try and you know, pick your brain for free as much as they can. Unless you, you know, force them into your process. And, and that's why I do the paid discovery. If they're really serious about it and they're a revenue-producing business, they'll be able to do a paid discovery. Um, the second reason I do that is once they've given you money, the likelihood that they're going to continue to go with you is pretty strong. Uh, and what I give them at the end of the paid discovery is uh, you know, a scope of work, a strategy for getting the goal that we're intending to get, uh, any research notes I have. Um, also, a proposal, my terms and conditions, all, all those you know, legalese things. Um, but they get the, the the whole thing, and in the proposal, they've uh, I lay out like what problem we're trying to solve, what we're trying to do, the situation, all that, the benefit that they're going to get from it, and I give them three options at the end. So it's not just one option. They can to where they can say no, I don't want to do that. It's like choices of how they want to work with me, and from there, um, if they say yes, which is usually the case, then we go on into the project. And so I want to go around and ask the panel. Once people, you know, give you the deposit, 
once they uh, are committed to doing the overall project, how do you onboard them? Is there anything special that you do? Do you give them like a packet? Do you have like an email sequence, anything like that to onboard them and teach them about what the project is going to look like and what their role in, is going to be in it and what your role is going to be in it? Lee. All right. Uh, well, we'll tend to do uh, kind of an in- initial kickoff meeting, uh, and that will be talking about what the tools are we're going to be using throughout the project. I will have normally by this point done that Gantt chart. I usually do a, a, a Gantt chart as part of the proposal itself to say if everything clears for this particular date, this is roughly what it's going to be. Um, obviously, by the time the project actually does kick off, we'll adjust that. We'll go through the Gantt chart. We'll go through what the project management software is we're going to be using, which is mostly FreedCamp, and we'll give them a little bit of training. I'm stealing the idea from last week where someone said they actually do a video um, of how to use the the system because I do think that one of my weaknesses there is is I'm giving them a very quick hey this is how you use it etc and you know because I know how to use it with the back of my hand and uh, and you know then people are messing around uh, putting loads and loads of things in the discussion section instead of tasks and stuff so you know still a work in progress but ideally people would then start adding in the tasks etc um, usually from that meeting we'll have set then a schedule of meetings usually i'm the project manager or i'll have larissa who i'm slowly training up to be a project manager will be that main point of call and then it's a case of we're then telling them you know what is next and it does depend on the project it might initially be that we're now going to go away and wireframe so the expectation is now we're now going away with all the information we already have and we're going to go wireframe you're going to hear from us in five days time or two weeks time etc but we'll still talk about the whole upcoming process so that they can understand what they're going to get and it's more it's helpful for us to do that because we never used to it's only been for the last year that we do that um but because they've already had the whole thing explained when somebody a decision maker whatever is suddenly on holiday and they didn't tell us when we asked right from the beginning you need to tell us about everybody's holidays so that we can you know reflect this in the project schedule um and they say, oh, well, we can't do anything for a week, then at least they understand that it's now their fault that something has been delayed for another week, et cetera. Um, that's why we do this big kind of whole project kickoff call now. No, that's excellent. Well, I, I like the That sounds like such a good idea. I don't know why I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, I, I didn't do it for years. It's, it's only been in the last year because I've had so many arguments and I was sick of apologizing for something I really didn't feel was my fault. And it was my fault because I didn't actually set their expectations. And at the same time, they had really unrealistic expectations, but it's still my fault because it was my responsibility to help them understand how the project should work because I know how a web development project goes. They don't. And it was actually fostering in me a real negativity towards clients i was actually bitching about clients thinking oh they're all Uh-oh. stupid when actually it was my responsibility to actually help them understand how the process works um you know so i feel pretty bad for being a bit of an idiot for a few years but hey you know i'm 34 i've learned a bit more since then oh, you're just a young man <laughs> you're a baby you're a baby you are the baby in this group <laughs> yay <laughs> you're the Actually, Lee, can I ask a question? On the bigger projects, do you actually kind of break them down into um, sections that have sign-off elements to... Yeah, we call them sprints usually, and because phases usually describe the bigger phase of an entire project, because you might have a phase one, which is going to be the minimum viable product, and then phase two might be kind of 2.0 with lots of extra features. So the phase will be then split into sprints. They usually... 
I usually split them up into about two weeks. And at the beginning of that, we're saying what, what we're expecting to build. Um, at the end of the two weeks, um, that's the initial two weeks of that phase. That's when they're going to then start the QA process. There's one last week of QA process and fixing for that. And then it's signed off. And anything that then gets changed on that in, say, three sprints time is chargeable because they've already signed off on that sprint. And it's definitely useful on the the more modular builds where it's a big project and we've got, you know, the the contact list section that we're going to do. And that's a two-week build and one-week QA sign off now on to the next. Right. Definitely. Uh, yes, it's, it, it's occurring to me that um, I'm going to need to... I, that that I should routinely tell clients what it means if they've signed off on a on a design or on a you know on, <laughs> on, on, on something because I I'm not sure uh, that they necessarily get it. They just think uh, they just think like we could just keep going. <laughs> it's like oh yeah well it's okay that you know I've changed my mind and want to do it this way. And, you know, even though we had all these meetings about doing it the other way. Um, well, culturally, to be serious, it's a real, you know, like if you're, de- if you're dealing with agencies or slightly bigger organizations that have gone, done this type of thing a few times, that they understand. But if you're dealing with smaller businesses and this is their first project, you, if you think they know what a sign off really means, you're deluding yourself. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, unless they've had like uh, you know remodeling done on their home or or something where they've been in a in a position to uh, you know be faced with with what a change order actually involves, mm. um, and and I think you know one of the issues with with smaller businesses is. Uh, they just don't have enough experience as businesses and they don't necessarily know the answers to some of the questions that we're asking them about their goals and how they're going to measure them and, and these kinds of things. Um, yeah. No, that's an important thing that both you and Lee said is it really is up to us to lead the project. And because nature abhors a vacuum and if there's a lack of leadership, they're going to try and jump in and assume that leadership and, and take over the project management. And that's definitely what you don't want. So, well, if you do allow that, that you know, that's going to be, you're a death, already sunk. That's a death march, isn't it? That, that's, yeah, that's basically, that's yeah. the, that is going to be a classical death march, isn't it? You know, you're, you're going to end yeah. up making it absolutely, and you'll make absolutely no money, and you end up with somebody that will, that will be, it will just turn into a total mess, won't it, John? Yeah, definitely. And and how I handle like onboarding, I don't have like an email sequence or anything like that. But, you know, definitely we'll do a kickoff meeting. We'll schedule regular meetings. I'll give them regular communication to where they know what's coming. Um, and I don't use a Gantt chart, though that's an excellent idea. Uh, that's probably something I should, should look into. But, uh, yeah, but definitely it's just setting it's it's setting the expectations of like what's going to happen like this phase is going to take this long or you know each subsequent part of this project here's how long it's going to take here's what you can expect and over communicating that at like every step. Yeah, can, um, I, can I actually jump in John? Jump uh, in. Yeah, yeah. Um I take a very different point of view actually. Um it just really depends on the on the project size and the price point. If it's anything below two thousand it's just 
it's very narrow scope for what we're doing. We just get paid. We just give a broad outline. They get a, a quick onboarding, um, and we get it done as quickly as possible. Right. The quicker you get something like that done, the less scope there is of of anything else entering it that can put you off. It. Um, if it's developing a website over, you know, let's say between two thousand and seven thousand dollars, uh, I try and get as much money up front as possible. Um, to be quite truthful about it, and then um, I try and and it's got to be out on the upper end of the price range. I, I try and have as little. Um, we employ a copywriter directly. That's part of the price with so many hours for so many pages and i try and keep the client out of having to supply literally anything because if they're a certain size client um and they're busy so they can afford to pay the money they're going to be time poor and it's just going to be left to the last minute at best and at worst it's just going to be pushed and it's going to delay that and you want you know other people might totally disagree with me and it's only my opinion you really you you want to cut them out as much as providing anything as you can because the more they got to provide the more scope it is that it's going to go off track john no and i'm glad you brought that up because that kind of leads into the the next thing that i want to talk about is lee did you want to hmm? oh, I, oh, I was going to disagree with him yeah go on off you go <laughs> You're here to disagree with me, Lee. Well, he just said disagree with me if you wish. So I, th- I thought I'll disagree. I'll just be awkward. Yeah, there you go. But al- but also, I mean, I, I would I would question. Th- there is definitely still, even in a two K project, there is going to be a point where the client will at least have to approve certain things, um, even if they've paid everything up front, because they are going to bust your balls, aren't they? Um, if you try and say, well, you've paid me two grand up front, this is what you're going to get. Uh, screw you if you don't like it. That ain't going to work either, is it? And well, that's not mean, a good client. Not, not in most cases, anyway. not necessarily harboring a good client relationship. And I would even question why do you do those projects if that's the case? You know, if you're only thinking it's a 2K, pro, it's a small project, we're getting the money in and we're going to keep them out of the loop as much as possible then they almost sound like a client relationship, not necessarily worth having because you want to have those sorts of client relationships that build up and build up into more money. Most of my best clients are the clients that I've been with for two to three years now. So that's why I'm disagreeing at that point. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I think I utilise the wrong language, really, quite truthfully. I mean, it, I mean, it was like an internal subcontractor relationship where they're giving you a very specific brief. Yeah. They want okay. A, B, C. They know exactly what they want, when they want it. And you're saying, yes, I can do that. And they pay you and it's done. In that case, cool. I'm happy with that. I thought you actually meant like the end user, like the client. So the no. butchers down the road who wants a website no. for 2K. Okay. Okay. It doesn't matter if it's <laughs> two 2,000 or 500 yeah. or 1,000 or 2,000. It's just not going to work out, is yeah. it? Yeah. You know, that's In- a- incrementally. Oh, sorry. No, My bad. On incrementally i found like the less that the project is the harder it is to uh i guess like steer that project what i'm saying is like the 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 more needy the client is going to be the less the project costs 
but one good thing that you pointed out, Jonathan, that I want to point out is getting the money up front, the whole project up front. There is a way to do that. And you offer a 10% discount if they pay the whole thing up front. And you can build that into your cost. Uh, and you say like, normally it's like half down and you know, whatever your milestones are, um, you know, say like 25, 25 or whatever it is. Uh, but if you pay the whole thing up front, we'll give you a 10% discount. And a lot of organizations, they have to take that discount because of the way that their procurement rules work. Uh, and a lot of people will just take that anyway, uh, just to save the money. So that's definitely a way to do that. The other thing I would say to you, like with milestones, don't tie it to things like providing the content or like the site <laughs> launch because you will end up screwed. And, that's that. my next, <laughs> and that is my next question because I've literally seen people like um, I've, I've literally had friends like where the project was like nine, 10 months down the road because that's how long it took for the clients to get the content. And that's my next question. So we've done the, on, we got the, People signed up, we got them onboarded, and now we're going into the, the main creative phase of the project. Um, Lee, how do, how do you guys deal with that? Do you go um, content first, design first, uh, get the content last, or uh, then go into the development at the end? How does you know the creative phase of, well, of your web project for- look? For us, it's pretty cool because we actually don't agree to do any of the content. In fact, our sign-off point is actually when the theme is fully designed, finished, coded, and installed, and the website is completely empty, is still when you pay the final bill because you've now got as many years as you want to fill in the content because here's your training. Um, you know, Here are the videos on how to use the system. Here are the pictures of what you want your site to look like, and we've built the the tools for you to do that with the training and is now your responsibility, Mr. or Mrs. Client or Ms. or Ms. or or whatever, um, you know, to put in the content and we will be here to help and support you, but you definitely need to pay your bill because we ain't even going to make it live. Even if you do your content in 24 hours uh, until that bill's paid as well. So we don't have any reliance on content. And that was because of the problems we've had in the past. We even tried to get copyrights involved, et cetera, but then you had the problem, or at least we had the problem with the specific copyrights we were using that, you know, not only was it becoming a protracted design process of revision 3 million, even though we'd actually put, you know, two revisions in the design, but we then had the same problem with content and copy, et cetera, just going on and on and on. So we now, uh, we now phrase the build as that we'll build the technology, et cetera. We'll approve the designs with Lauren Mipsum and some real content if they've got some, because obviously that's going to be very useful. Um, and they'll always have a rough idea of, you know, this 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 page, we're going to want to say these sorts of things. We need a call to action and all that sort of stuff. So all of those elements are designed and the toolkit, the WordPress theme with all the tools to do that are fully coded and provided. Training is given. They are then responsible for that content once that invoice is paid. Mm-hmm. So it's different. That's the only way we could protect ourselves um, from those forever builds. Excellent. I love it. Um that is a problem, a common problem that I see with agencies is the content. They'll even say it like on their, you know, here's our process page. The content is literally like the last step. And it's mm-hmm. it's such um, a nightmare because either you're trying to load in like 500 pages of content like the day before the launch or 
it, you're tying your milestone to a payment uh, that involves the launch, and it's just bad news. So <laughs> I think you have a most excellent solution to that. Uh, Sally, what is your creative uh, part of the process look like? Well, it depends partly on the client because I may have uh, clients where it's, you know, their first website or first website for the company. And, and so generating content, you know, if, if, if I, I, I need to know uh, quite a bit about their content before I can build anything, even if I don't have, you know, the specific words. And, uh, you know, I, I am pushing more and more to, you know, do content strategy as one of the first uh, phases and, um, you know, either bring somebody else on to do it or, uh, you know, content strategy and uh, copywriting or, uh, you know, depending on their timeline, I may do some of it myself. I'm very good at both of those things, but I can't do them and write code at the same time. So, uh, you know, it, it, depending on the, the scale of the project and the timeline of the project, um, may do it uh, because, yeah, until you until you have a good assessment of the content, you don't know what you need to build and in if it's a if it's a small sort of a site and and they already know sort of they know what kinds of things they're going to be creating it doesn't all have to be there but you know i need to know how many kinds of custom post types am i going to 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 need to build based on what sort of of stuff they have and and uh you know i went through uh, doing a content audit on a uh, on a site recently, and everything had been dropped in the blog, and it, most of it was not supposed to be blog posts. And so I just had to go through all of those darn posts and figure out, all right, this is a blog post, but this is a press release, this is a presentation, this is a you know this is a, a, a news coverage item. This is yeah, it was like shoot yourself, but I was being paid by the hour, uh, <laughs> so I, I still pretty much wanted to shoot myself. I have, I have to there was there was a ton of stuff that accumulated over a long period of time and hopefully uh you can catch people before they have amassed so much content in a in a way that is completely non-strategic uh but you can't necessarily so you know they're sort of like the good side to that is there was already a ton of content to work with i didn't have to wait on any content creation you know Mm. either by the client or or by anybody else um you know, there was a ton of content there to work with. We could do the design based on the client's real content. You know, the downside is, well, if the content hasn't been organized very well, then, you know, you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of work in there. Um, you know, and likewise, if it's, you know, if it's a startup and it's their new site, well, they, they may not, you know, have a lot of content or, or yet, or be planning on it. It's, it's mostly sort of, we have a sales page and then we have a, you know, or it may be, well, we know that we're going to blog, you know, we know that we're we're going to have a, we're going to need an online press room. We know, you know, so that we know what to what to create, and then there may just be kind of a placeholder content in it. But yeah, it's, I don't think people, um, uh, you know, it, it it only takes once or, or possibly twice of you know waiting a million years to get paid because uh, you 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 know tied something to to stuff that's their responsibility to to produce before you change uh, how you tie your payments in um exactly jonathan what, um, what is he i really haven't got anything more to add i, I think lee i think the the kind of lee's process is totally clear um it really but it really depends on the t- 
type of client you're dealing with. Um, but if if it's quite clear, that's that's the setup, and it's totally clear on the onboarding in the documentation, and that's it. What Lee described is perfect. You know, is uh, excellent morphology. It's just the only. I'm not exactly questioning it. It's just thinking back on. I think Sally was trying to say that there's a lot of clients that it's almost like an expectation that you should. How how can you design the whole project unless you you have the content? And I think also Jackie kind of um, talked about that a few weeks ago when she was on the show, didn't she, John? And I think we had yes, a discussion. Yep. we had a bit of a discussion about that, didn't we? And then there's also expert. There are. It's not always. I I think you also hinted on this, John, that it's on the lower level. But I've also had it in the middle level, where it's almost been an expectation that you're the web developer agency person doing this job you should help out on the on the content it's almost like an expectation almost isn't it i've got an answer to that whole having the content thing up front uh would you like would you like to hear it no because i've had this this conversation before (laughs) you just say no (laughs) okay i'll shut up then I want to hear it. God. Ah. <laughs> all right. So if somebody says to you, all right, well, don't you sure you need all the content up front? My instant response to them is if you are Pat Flynn or somebody who is going to plan a book, you should already know what you're going to be talking about and what the end result of that book or that website is going to be. Therefore, you can list out all of the chapters. So if the client can give me all of the headings, all of the chapters, as it were, of the imaginary book, i.e. the website, this is going to be the structure of the website, then we need no words because we know how the website is going to function. We know all the different sections of the site. We know the sorts of blocks and elements that the client's going to need to create call to actions and to put content into specific spaces. And we can then go away with a whole load of lorem ipsum and a whole load of chapter headings. I'll call them chapter headings so that we can build a site that's going to match their design, their brand, and also the sort of content that they want to put in it. Um, Because, you know, if you watch Pat Flynn's um, book planning video on YouTube, he does it with post-it notes and he plans an entire book in like five minutes with post-it notes because he already knew exactly, you know, what the whole bigger picture was going to be. Therefore, he had a book in post-it notes and could already start planning and designing his book based on that structure. So that's the answer I've always given if people try and argue that point. It's a valid point. I get why people think that, but I have always found content such a blocker that I've kind of almost become anti-content you know, and I say, you need to know what your vision is for this site and what it needs to do. Let's create the chapters and then let's go, as in the chapter headers, and then let's go ahead and get that uh, uh, built for you. I think that's a great way of explaining it, Lee. Uh, but yeah. I also think it's also why paid discovery, because the paid discovery is to help them, it should be part of helping them what actually is going to go. It really depends on the type of client. If it's, if it's a very, very... You know, <laughs> But it, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because some, you know, small client. Well, I've had some small clients that really wanted paid a lot of money. There was only they were a one person consultancy, but they spent a lot of money. I've had other people. It's all over the place, really, isn't it? Yes. No. I, I think Lee has a really good point there. It's like you know, if I've got a detailed enough mind map of what kinds of content and how they're supposed to interact with each other. And, you know, do we want to display, uh, you know, certain things on the, on the homepage or the sidebar or, or, or wherever, then, you know, 
I can build the structure for that. I don't need to have every piece of content. And of course, a website is an evolving thing. So they're always going to be putting more content in as, as time goes on anyway. Um, and uh, so, you know, I don't have to have every, every word as long as, you know, I'm not expected to get this to, you know, to, to go live as long as I'm only <laughs> expected to get it to the point where it's all built. You can put the content in now. Uh, yep. I, I would say uh, like for me, the first thing that I focus on is the content because it is going to be the hardest thing to get a hold of. Now, if it's a brand new business, it's it's going to be tougher because they're kind of they're going to be like trying to figure out what they want to say or how they want to say it or you know do we have you know a bunch of images do we have like a gallery are we going to have a bunch of text here it's just so up in the air so that's like the first thing um you know we're defining the goals in discovery and then we're figuring out like what type of content we're actually going to display on the site um first first thing if they're an already established site, then I can pull content like off of their existing site and plug that in because I can say, here's things that we're already going to like transfer over. Um, you know, and definitely like, like what you said, Sally, we're going to do a content audit. If there's, if there's things that are in like bad categories, if they're in, um, you know, everything's like in the blog and it doesn't need to be, then we need to sort that out too. Um, so that's definitely um, content before design. Um, as much as it's going to be practical, we don't want to block the project forever either. Uh, mm. But if it's an existing site, it's that much easier can to I, do. Can I ask something, John? Yeah. You know, based on your experience yeah, with yeah. Woo, WooCommerce projects, has that you know has that kind of put it on steroids? Because then you got all the you know photography, you know all the product, you know they can get them from a wholesaler or. Yeah. You've got all the issue of photography, um, product descriptions, you know, um, um, terms of conditions. Um, you've got a lot of things that have to be, and somebody's got to have to produce it all. Does it put all the whole thing in your, based on your experience, even more on steroids? Well, that's something we'll discuss like early on in the project. So um, a lot of my clients are out of town. Some of them are local, but a lot of them are out of town too. So if it's, you know, a product shop, we'll figure out, you know, what's the best thing. Do they have a, a local photographer that they can go get those product shots from? Um, if with products, definitely uh, photography is a big thing. If you can afford to hire a professional photographer that specializes in product photography, that's going to make a big difference. If you can't, then, you know, just do the best you can. But definitely I would, I would say if it's like a professional e-commerce shop, uh, product photography is, is, you're going to want to have somebody that specializes in that, uh, somebody that's in your hometown. If it's somebody local here, I can definitely point them toward people. Uh, if it's people in their town, then, you know, I can, I guess, just give suggestions, but they're going to probably know people in their hometown better. Um, when it comes to product descriptions, I mean, it's it's like looking at, like, what we want to rank for. What are you trying to, you know, get this site to rank for? What are you, tr you know, each of these products what are people typing into Google that you want to find it for? That's going to like determine a little bit of the product description. Yeah. I'll just, I just meant more about um, their self-awareness. If it's their first pony trip down this, their awareness of time and cost to write all these descriptions, 
to get the price of getting a professional photographer to spend like one to two days, depending on the amount of products they've got, about just the volume of work and hours and expense. Do you, in your experience, does that have to be kind of really kind of explained in the in the paid discovery section? Because otherwise, the project will go off. They're they're they're, they're surprised by the time. Yeah, comes. that's that's. A- well, that's all going to be covered in like paid discovery, but like, you know, um, uh, comparable, a comparable e-commerce site, um, compared to a marketing site of the same, you know, they're bringing in the same amount of revenue. The e-commerce site is going to have more costs associated with it. Definitely. Um, you know, professional photography is an important component of any site. Uh, you want to use the best images possible. You know, professional photography is definitely part of that. With products, it makes a big difference because it's like how you're representing it. If it's just like, um, you know, if it's just somebody starting, it's I wouldn't stress on it so much. The bigger the site, the more revenue it generates, the more professional you want to have those components be. So. Definitely, yeah. But content's the big blocker. Like, you know, Lee mentioned too, you know, you don't want to block your final payment. A lot of this, and I'll, I'll just say this really quick before we go to the next thing, but um, I like to start with content. A lot of it stems from when I first started out, I did subcontracting for some local agencies here. And to a T, like all of them, the content was like last thing. They were just designing a, a, a container. But like, you know, no content, no lorem ipsum. You know, sometimes if, you know, but, it, but we're dropping in the content like the last day. And it's like, why didn't, why didn't anybody start with this? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's because like the payment is tied to launching the site and it's like so utterly broken. Um, you, you, the other thing that you're like really put this seed in my mind, it was a podcast episode probably about three or four years ago on SeanWest.com. Uh, is episode 13. It's behind a paywall now, but it's called You Design the Content. Sean, Sean McCabe is a guy, he was a, uh, he's kind of a disciple of Andy Rutledge, who was like a well-known graphic designer and web designer in the early days of the web, but a lot of his ideology comes from him. But this episode was talking about you know, you're not really designing, um, you're just designing a container unless you have, you know, the message, the content, the goals, what you're trying to say, you know, as Lee said, the big vision. Um, but, you know, specifically, if you're just launching a site and you don't have the content in place, people are just going to like start jamming, you know, all kinds of things in there that, that are going to break your design potentially, you know, and those are things that we can talk about in this next segment, like we Q and a, but if you're designing You'll notice a lot of people they design and they'll have, you know, every headline will be like the same length. Every like block of paragraph text will be the same length. And in the real world, that's not how things usually end up. The clients usually they'll have some headlines will be like three words. Some will be like four sentences um, and you have to plan for all those things. So um, that's why I start with content. It's very important. You know, design follows and developments last but then we're getting into the next phase, and why ask yeah. Lee about this? Yeah, when it comes but to- before we do that, John, break. I, 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 no, I think we better wrap up the actual podcast because you, no. you know we've gone into over an hour, John, on this discussion. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, so well, maybe part we- two next week, then maybe. Um, <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, well, well <laughs> I, maybe I we, we, we could milk this topic for a while. <laughs> 
<laughs> Good work. Well done, Sally. Okay. Uh, but, but maybe we uh, should wrap up the official part of the podcast and go on to the other sections quickly into the bonus content, John. Okay, definitely. Well, okay, so you can find this. There will be a corresponding episode blog post number for episode 148 on WP Tonic uh, by the time you're hearing this uh, in iTunes. So just want to remind everybody, um, you, you you can find the rest of this episode there. Um if you're getting value from this podcast, we encourage you to go to iTunes, leave a detailed review. We're trying to get to triple digits. It definitely helps surface this podcast when people are searching for a WordPress podcast. Um, so, you know, leave a review. We appreciate it. We like hearing from you. Um, and also, and that, you know, also um, if you've got anything to say about what we've said, um, we've got um, a post section on all the po- on the posts so leave your remarks we'll be interested um in your feedback that would be great wouldn't it john it would be awesome yes we definitely want to hear from you uh so we'll go around the room let everybody tell us how you can find you lee how do we find you you can find me on leejacksondev.com and the podcast as well that i run is on there or you can tweet me at leejacksondev are you going to give us um, some of your drink recommendations, Lee? Because obviously it's always a new poison every week. Well, this week uh, we are proudly sponsored, unofficially, by Jim Bean Red Stag, which is a cherry liqueur, 40%. Do not drink if pregnant. All right. Thank you, Lee. Sweet. We were just No enjoying. problem. That's a recommendation from Lee, folks. <laughs> right. It's Sally, how do we find you? You can find me at wpfangirl.com. Um, and I am at Sally Getch on Twitter. And if you can spell my name, I am unique in Google. So that will be the right Sally Getch. Sweet. Jonathan Denwood. How many, how many Jonathan Denwoods are there in Google? Not that. Well, there is only one, John. I'm not well today. I've got a bad I've got a bad neck and shoulder folks, so I'm not hundred percent. I've been I've had it for doing work on the computer just flares it up. I am giving gobs of money to a cryo practitioner. He's financing his holiday, I think, through <laughs> the Putting, putting another story on his house. Yeah, I think so. He was telling us he was looking forward to Trump getting in because his CPA said he was going to have to pay so much tax if you're over 700000 a year or something. I'm, I'm paying you too much, mate. And uh, um, so, but the way to get hold of me, folks, is quite simple. Either um, email me at jonathan at wp tonic.com i do i will get back to you as quick as possible i do personally answer any questions or, or inquiries or anything about the website myself or you can get me on twitter at jonathan denwood it's the same setup and um, when i've got a spare moment i log in and i if i see anybody asking me anything i do reply I, um so they're the best ways excellent and you can find me at my website, which is LockdownDesign.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Lockdown underscore, and my Facebook page. It's just Lockdown Design, one word. So there you go. For the WP Tonic, uh, be sure to catch us in episode 149. Where we're going to be talking with front-end developer Kerry Ford from Web Dev Studios about atomic design. So I'll catch you then. Bye, folks. Bye.